0: The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. One of the things you see in the data is owning a business is basically the path to getting rich. But the other thing really, really important is You just got to ask yourself, how are you going to have your local monopoly that's going to protect you from competition?
1: This is the next big idea daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kavanagh. My guest this week is the data scientist, Seth Stevens-Davidowitz. Now, Seth has been obsessed with data since he was a kid. And while an economics PhD candidate at Harvard, he realized that iPhones and web searches and other high-tech tools were collecting vast amounts of information about human behavior and that once analyzed, these massive data sets could be used to provide evidence-based advice for all sorts of life decisions. Who to date, how to raise your kids, where to live. One of the questions he looked at in his book, Don't Trust Your Gut, using data to get what you really want in life, was how to get rich. Now, obviously, money isn't everything, but if you wanted to set out on the most likely path to affluence, Seth says, You can go ahead and drop out of law school or medical school. You can quit your job on Wall Street. So what should you focus on?
0: Now, I do not recommend trying to get rich. The studies say money doesn't really lead to much happiness. But if you do want to get rich, we now have more knowledge than ever on what it takes. A recent study of the entire universe of American taxpayers analyzed all the members of the top 1% or even 0.1%. Such individuals are making $1.58 million per year. So quite a lot. They're very rich. The authors of the study concluded that the typical rich American is, in their words, the owner of a mid-sized regional business, such as an auto dealership or beverage distribution company. So what can we make of the data on rich people? There are two big lessons here. First, rich people own. Among the richest Americans, the ratio of owners to wage earners is about three to one. Salaries don't make people rich. Equity does. Second, rich business owners have somehow managed to escape ruthless price competition. Auto dealerships, for example, have legal protections that allow them to exclusively service a local market. Now, if you learn this data and try to buy someone's auto dealership, you may find out they have no interest in selling it to you. They know how much profit they're making. However, there are some other businesses that allow people to escape price competition, and you may be able to start one yourself. One of the best businesses, the data says, is market research. Here, you can learn a great deal about a niche topic and then sell your insights widely to your contacts in that field. It'll be hard for someone else to compete with your specialized knowledge and your deep contacts. The data suggests a surprisingly large number of people are getting rich doing this.
1: We all probably have an idea of who's rich yeah. and what being rich looks like and what kind of career you should have to get rich. But we're pretty off base in that, right?
0: This is a, a based on a 2019, again, very recent study. And there was a sentence to that paper that just really kind of was like, wow, that's cool, where they said the typical rich American, based on tax records, is the owner of a mid sized regional business, such as an auto dealer or beverage distributor. And again, you know, Auto dealers, you know, maybe we kind of sense they're rich. There have been some movies about auto dealers. Beverage distributors, I don't think people are thinking, you know, that's where the money is in America, but it's a huge clue into what it takes to get rich uh, because it turns out that auto dealerships and beverage distribution companies are basically protected local monopolies. Where right. There are laws that that kind of give a geographic protection where you're the only ones who can service this particular Company in this particular region, and you have basically legal protection against competition uh, in your neighborhood. That's a more general phenomenon. You know, I, I kind of did data analysis based on their appendix, and you know, what are the businesses that make people rich? Things like market research, real estate investing. It's kind of got to be a business where you can have a niche where you're protected from competition, whether it's by law or by something else. You got to find some way to have some small kind of market. Local monopoly. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, you're kind of screwed as a business owner because if auto dealerships were not regulated monopolies, then you have your Toyota dealership, you're making $2 million a year. Someone's going to know that you're making $2 million a year and they're going to set up an auto dealership right next to your auto dealership and charge a little bit less and try to take a cut of that $2 million. And that'll only stop when the profits are all eaten away. One of the things you see in the data is owning a business is basically the path to getting rich. Uh, People aren't getting rich by salaries. You're getting rich by owning a business.
1: And it's interesting because you point out that in one way we know that, but in another way, we also, our view gets distorted by the number of... Say uh, CEOs or celebrity uh, news anchors or celebrities yeah. who don't own businesses. Well, they're yeah, they see, they're rich, so they're successful. But yeah. in some ways, they're they're the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, right?
0: they're the exception, and they're famous. Unlike the beverage distributor, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, who's. Was unknown. And so
1: owning is important.
0: Owning. So owning is important. Okay. Owning a sexy business is a terrible idea for the most <laughs> part. Uh, there's a study of the businesses that go out of business the fastest. The quickest to go out of business, 2.5 years record store, uh, toy store, clothing store, makeup store. All like, the fun stuff. All the fun stuff <laughs> sucks. Everybody tries to do it. The competition is ferocious. It's just a terrible business. Like, just stay away. But the other thing, Really, really important is you just gotta ask yourself, how are you gonna have your local monopoly that's gonna protect mm-hmm. you from competition?
1: Because I don't uh, think we, we don't appreciate how how devastating competition can be.
0: When I was writing this chapter, I was taking the train to upstate New York to stay at my parents' country house. Mm-hmm. And there are cab drivers who wait outside the train station to try to get your business. They own their own little cab company and basically they're just screaming lower prices until you take them mm-hmm. like no profit cuz mm-hmm. if you make any profit the guy next who's right next to you is going to offer a lower wage mm-hmm. like that's just a disastrous situation to be in and that's probably the most common situation a business mm-hmm. is in is to mm-hmm. be in price competition and then your profits is going to be eaten away so you got to mm-hmm. somehow avoid that and it it's it's not thought enough uh by people entering business
1: i think you call them the big six paths to wealth, real estate and investing. I think people have a sense that those might yeah. might be ways to get rich. And then the other one that's kind of surprising on your list of the big six is independent creatives. And I, I think this obviously needs a little bit of explaining because of course we all have the idea of a starving artist. And I'm not sure you're saying that setting out to be an artist is a, a surefire way to to make a fortune, but it's maybe not as ludicrous as we might think, right?
0: Yeah, so the tax data said there's one category that's basically independent creatives. And I think there were 10,000 of them in the top 1%. But before seeing this data, anybody who told me they want to be an artist, I'm like, that's insane, don't even try it. Mm -hmm. And now if I saw this data combined with the stuff in the next section on how to increase your luck surface area, I'd say it's not insane.
1: Yeah. And and another place where you might just have to turn back to relying on your gut, your instinct and say, am I more of a creative artist or am I more of a beer distributor? And which path will make me happier given what I know about myself and the relative risks of these paths?
0: The key is to know the relative risks. And most Mm -hmm. of us, let's be honest, when we're picking careers, do not have the knowledge that I put forth in this book, that level of detail, which has to help. You don't finish this chapter and say, okay, now I know what I'm going to do with my career. Yeah. But you have more information that can help you break a tie or make better decisions.
1: So if your main goal in life is to make a pile of money, your path is clear. Try to own a beverage distribution company or a car dealership. But, and hear me out, what if that's not the life for you? What if you want to do something a little more creative or intellectually stimulating? Well, to make it on those career paths, you're going to need a little luck. And tomorrow, Seth will be back to explain how you can use data to actually boost your luck, to increase your luck surface area, as he calls it. Seth's going to explain what he calls the Springsteen Rule and the Picasso Effect, and how you can use these methods to get lucky, whatever your goal is. I'm Michael Kovnick, and I'll see you tomorrow.